sifter.com.au. Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games and interactive media and we meet creative teams from all around the world. My name is Gianni. Thank you so much for joining me. My guests this week are co-director and lead game designer Adam Konyus and Klaus Eriksson, co-director and scriptwriter from Wishfully, who are launching in just, as we recorded this, not very long, a very soon time, a game called Planet of Lana, which is an epic cinematic sci-fi platformer about a kid just looking for her family. Uh, Adam and Klaus, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Uh, We're excited to have you on the show, but before we dive in, let's find out what's been making the news this week on Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletta. And I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 12th of May. Xbox kills four Bethesda studios, including multi-award-winning makers of Hi-Fi Rush and Prey. Helldivers 2 players go to war, loving 200,000 negative reviews after Sony tries to force mandatory PSN logins on PC. Hades 2 gets a surprise early access launch this week, and it's already smashed the previous game's record. And Nintendo confirms we'll learn more about the next by this time next year. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. You're listening to Lightmap, interesting conversations with video game creators. Okay, so we're heading to Planet Novo for an adventure this week. Adam and Klaus, for people who've never come across the game before, what is Planet of Lana? Planet of Lana is, uh, as you said earlier, a cinematic puzzle platformer where you play as this young girl called Lana. And she's an 11-year-old girl living on this uh, planet called Novo. Uh, And as you start the game, you're just thrown into this world uh, through the eyes of this little girl. Uh, and she's living in this tranquil fishing village uh, when this uh, army of invading robots comes crashing down from, from the skies. And she's forced out into the wilderness, trying to find, try, going out on a mission to try and find her big sister that has been taken away together with all the other people in her village and basically forced out on this epic adventure through the planet. And very early on, she meets this cute little furry creature called Mui, and together they go out on this epic adventure together. When you first play the game, um, it could be very easy for this to be a pretty dreadful and scary experience, but it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like you're heading off on a grand adventure. Can you tell me a little bit about how you wanted to frame this story uh, for players uh, as they are exploring uh, you know, this big adventure that they're on? Yeah, sure. That's actually a really good question because that was something that we, um, I wouldn't say struggle with, but there was always something that came back in in creative talks that like, there's this kind of paradox almost between like you say, like the, what actually happens in the story, but then like, you know, this sort of really colorful, homey, sort of Ghibli world. And yeah, I guess we just like, the aim was to just try and find like, you know, as much of a balance there as possible, because I think that was the mood that everyone initially fell in love with, even on the team as well. And like everyone who saw, you know, that first, 
uh, sort of key art that we use everywhere. That was the first uh, image that Adam drew as a sort of concept uh, sketch as well. Is that you know there was so much mood, so much mood in that picture that you know that we didn't want to lose during the development but then at the same time when we started asking questions about the story like um you know who are these robots what are they doing here like wh why you know why why is this uh, scary thing like just staring at lana but it's still so beautiful um that i guess we wanted to sort of find a balance between both you know like um yeah so that that was that was a balancing act like throughout the production i guess you know no definitely i i totally agree with you and i think it's 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 a very important thing about the game that feeling of being out in nature and like feeling the wind blowing through the trees and grass and you can really we wanted to create a world even though it is a side scrolling game we wanted to really create that uh, depth in the in the world and that kind of believability of that you're being there in these different environments but as you say it's it's really a mix and you get to in, in the in the game you get to explore a lot of different env environments and both cozy um nature sunshine environments and also scary like shipwrecks and, and dark caves and stuff like that so it's it's really a mix I know your studio has a bit of a, a heritage in doing this, some of the work that you've done in the past, but for me, it really felt like I was walking through matte paintings, uh, through um, you know storyboards almost as I was going through that. It felt like the shots were set up and we were kind of just walking into shot every time. Can you tell me a little bit about designing that sort of visual language and, and was that an intentional uh, design as part of the game? I mean, since both me and Klaus are coming from, this is our, the first game we're making and we're coming from a film and animation background before. And I've been working as an illustrator and animator before this. And I think that uh, we, we have a lot of visual, like working in, in a visual way before this. And I think that's something that translated very well into this kind of game. And and I think, I mean, uh, one big positive thing about doing a side scroller is that you have the camera from the side right so you can really frame this like epic images really that still are playable and interactable so yeah it, it's definitely like all these like kind of key images most of them are like concept arted uh, first and then taken into the game um but a lot of them are also like or organically grown through our um, level designer uh, Rickard when he's like putting all the assets out and like we're really modulating out the game um, but one thing that I'm that I think is very interesting is that like uh, the concept like the game actually looks better in game than the concept art so we really I think we really succeeded with that like taking the concept art and then uh, creating this like uh, depth and this, keeping the hand painted feel but still still um yeah I'm, I'm very happy about that um how did you you said this is the first game you've ever worked on i know you have a, a, a sort of partner agency that you've done sort of creative works for other things sort of within the game space and other animation as well but why did you want to make a game i guess for me personally it's uh, it's my biggest interest and it's always been since i was a kid and the thing uh, i know the most about kind of i i kind of uh, fell into animation and film but I, I really wanted to make games all along but you know you you drift into one uh, 
one professional space and then you have your dreams of like making the leap into another a whole other industry and it took a long time before like getting the enough experience of other things and encouraged to to make the leap into the games industry so that's that's uh, basically it and I'm, I'm very happy that we did it <laughs> and it feels very unreal being one day away from now releasing the game yeah i just fell into it you know completely johnny um <laughs> i had no ambitions whatsoever to do any video games it was just adam asked me do you want to write this thing and i was like hell yeah because i hadn't even thought about it to be honest i i'd never like you know i hadn't i hadn't considered it as an option so when adam asked me i was like I thought about it for about two seconds and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really fun time. And we can also add that me and Klaus has been working together since we were 13 years old in different projects, uh, both in, yeah, we've been running a film production company together and have had a lot of projects over the years before this as well. So that makes it easier also since I'm in Sweden and Klaus is in Sydney when you're co-directing a game that you know each other very well. You must have a good working relationship if you can maintain that for so many years. It worked. We actually, the first time we saw each other in person during the whole production, which I guess technically started in 2018, was last year when we went to Gamescom. I mean, that seems to be the future of how game development tends to work these days. There's more and more studios are, are building games entirely uh, remotely. Um, but I'm wondering, can you tell me, you know, this is the first game you've worked on. You have got that experience of making things in the past, but what were some of the things you really had to learn coming in, which just was completely different to your production process in the past? I mean, honestly, I think there was, uh, there's been so many like hurdles and, uh, um, and things that have been difficult. And I think the best thing that was that we were quite naive going into it, you know, <laughs> that we didn't know the industry, like working in the in industry that well. Because if we did, uh, if we would have uh, known that, I don't know if we would have done it because it's been, it's been very like, it's, it's been a, a, a tough journey. Um, but yeah, it's just so many things, everything from, you know, um pitching your game and you know game design like working with story in a game uh, it, it's just so many things that's so challenging but that's also the, the fun fun thing about it i think both me and Klaus really thrive also in that um space where we challenge ourselves uh, creatively i mean definitely the story the storytelling aspects are like so interesting because obviously the i mean there's the whole interactivity thing which you know adds and a whole other dimension to to even though we've actually made like a very like a quite a linear game it's like you know there's still you have to take into account that this individuals going to be playing this game and they're going to want to play it you know as they want um and from a storytelling perspective it's that you know like again that a whole other dimension it's like how do you work how do you work gameplay into the storytelling? Like, you know, you can sit down, you write a script uh, and it all plays like a movie in your head, but, you know, then it's got to gel with like, you know, the character arc has to gel with the difficulty of the puzzles and, you know, the cutscene kind of too many cutscenes, but you still have to tell the story that you want to tell. And like, you know, it's a balancing act. Um, but that's also why it's so much fun, you know, like 
and especially like being gamers and like you know like just loving sort of narrative driven uh games ourselves it's like you know you have a lot of good reference to go on and hopefully we got close to hitting the mark <laughs> you feel so humbled by the whole experience when you look at other games and you realize how much hard work it is to to make <laughs> to make a game um i think that's also one of the big takeaways and we've learned so much during this process and we're so eager in the team it, it feels the best thing i think is like that we've put together this awesome team in the studio and that this is our first game this is just the beginning for us like we're so excited to get going on the next game and yeah that's so exciting taking everything we've learned from this first game and and, and keep keep working together Five years is a long time to be working on a project in a field that you are relatively new to. Can you tell me what was the motivation to keep going um, as you were getting close to the end? Because we've had a you know, global pandemic in the middle of that too as well. So uh, how, how did it keep your team motivated and, and get to the finish line? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really long project. I think, <laughs> I, I, think I mean, uh, personally, I just decided that I, I was going to finish this. Uh, project it started really small it was just me and my um, ex-wife from the beginning and then very very quickly like during just a few months we we formed the whole uh, like base for the studio and then we worked for two over two years uh, like without salaries just working other jobs on the side uh, pitching our game building like a, a demo that we could pitch the game with um yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. It's just. I think. I think what motivated us through through it all is all the love we got for the game because people. We we knew that we had something that um, affected people, like just from the concept art that people wanted to play this. And I think that was the main motivation. That like when it was tough, that we felt that we still we have something here. We just need to figure out how to make how to how to actually make a good game out of it. You know. Yeah, for sure. I think so much of the, I mean, so much of the motivation, at least for me, was built into the to the vision that Adam came in with already, and like that grew a lot. Like everyone brought their own thing into it, you know, over the years. Um, but so much of, like, just that original vision of that original image that's behind Adam now, you know, and the thing is like, to me, like it was almost like it was contagious. You know what I mean? It's like everyone who came in contact with it and everyone that we brought on board got it. And so like when everyone gets it and you know, everyone's on the same page, pulling in the same direction, you know what you want the final thing to be. Like people are just going to keep going until you get there. You know what I mean? Like you're just going to keep going until you feel like it's in that state that you, that you saw, that you see it. Um, so I agree with everything Adam said, but I think that was also, you know, coming more from the outside in, that was, that was a huge part for everyone. Yeah. And I, I think like that original vision, um, that I had, I mean, the game is so much better than that <laughs> now because everyone in the team is just, it's just, it's just this magical thing when you're doing something that you really love to do and other people just come in and they also want to do that you know and it's just just a, this snowball effect of it getting better so that's been a really amazing journey to be to have been a part of just seeing all the like creativity and 
how it's just gotten better and better over the years. Um, you, you mentioned there that everyone who came to the team brought a little bit of themselves uh, to this project. Can you tell me what were some of the elements um, that, you know, built out this uh, experience, this gameplay as you were going through? Um, you know, comparisons have been made to the, the Playdead, uh, Inside and Limbo, for example, um, and also Studio Ghibli. But can you tell me a little bit about, um, you know, those contributions that have made the Planet of Lana? I mean, for example, like just, you know, puzzle design. I mean, it's it's so hard making good puzzles and finding that and also deciding like how hard your pus- we, we want our puzzles we decided early on that we wanted uh, a tad more accessible uh, puzzles than for example inside which is a big inspiration for us um but also but of course like still making you know you want the puzzles to be fun and you want to feel smart or if they're too easy you're just going to get bored are they too hard then you're going to get frustrated. And people are in such a different level also of um, in, in their ability to solve logical puzzles. Like, this is just how it is. Like, people are different in that sense. So finding the right balance for that was one of the huge challenges we had because we know we had, like, a beautiful game, um, but we didn't just want to make a beautiful game. We wanted to make a good game, a fun game that's had good pacing and good variation and all that. Um, and it was really a few years into the project because also one of our childhood friends, Don Faxe, who we also uh, worked together since we were 13, he was working as a technical animator on the project. Um, but then uh, a few years into the project, we realized that he ha- really had like talent for puzzle design. So then he started making the puzzles, and that was basically when it changed uh to the better in 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 a huge way where, where it all like kind of clicked um so that was a huge contribution f- for example but we have so many i mean we have uh, our lead animator ulle engstrom who's really brought the characters to life and all that and then we have we had a programmer that um actually actually is one of the co-founders of tarsier studios that worked on the game for for a year and before moving on to other things but he really also laid the whole technical built like the whole like wind system that we have like in the trees and in the grass and i mean if we wouldn't have had that the world would have been so much more dead it would have been pretty like like it is in the screenshots but it's really like the wind that brings the nature to life for example and then i mean i could go on and list so many people it's everything everyone uh, has been so important in making the experience i would say I want to uh, touch on that approachability. Um, the game looks beautiful, and I'm wondering if there's been a bit of a challenge when people finally get their hands to play on, uh, you know, some of the experiences you've had at, at Gamescom and things like that. People looking at it being a very pretty game, and then running up against some of the difficulty of these puzzles. Is that something you've experienced? And and what have you done to make an approachable game for a variety of different skill sets? I mean, we tested the game so much and just iterated it so much, and I, it was a very very good like. Uh, it was tough making that demo for Gamescom in the middle of production and making that like um, in in that like uh, delivery quality or launch quality kind of in the, in that that part of the game. But it was a very useful thing to do that we were forced to do that because we, then we really needed to make kind of like the tutorial part of the game or where you learn how to uh, how you learn how to. 
play together with your companion Mui and how to solve puzzles with her. With her. So we really need to make that a strong like demo experience. And that was so good for the full game as well. And And that demo is actually a version of the game that we've remade so many times because it's basically the same like vertical slice or demo that we made to pitch the game originally. So the first version of that was out like in in um, in 2020 and then like each year we had a new version of this for different reason, re- reasons of that like as we iterated on the game design and the puzzle design. So we just had so many uh, years and, and and iterations on the puzzle design and the game design to really make it uh, like a good like learning curve throughout the game um and yeah it's it's been really challenging but i think we've I, i'm very happy where where the game is right now then of course like we've still seen like in testing that for um for some people they find it easier and some people find it harder it's just that kind of a beast it is to make logical puzzle games. It's not like when you have platform, like a challenging game that's like mechanically challenging, like platforming um, or like a shooter or something like that. It's it's a different kind of difficulty, right? So um, it's been really interesting and, and, and challenging. Klaus, I'm wondering if you could tell me about writing the story of this game. It is effectively wordless there is still dialogue in the game but most of it has to be conveyed by what's happening environmentally and with the characters in there um tell me about how you tell that story uh in a way that's uh, understandable uh for for players um, all around the world well hopefully understandable i guess it remains to be seen you know we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see what the verdict is no but um, yeah, for sure, and that that has been again a, a, a balancing act. So from the from the beginning, we didn't actually intend to even uh, come up with the uh, with the language that we did, like the sort of made up language. So for people who aren't aware, uh, we've basically we've written our own language, uh, and that's sort of the characters speak that to each other, uh, but there's no subtitles, so you you just sort of have to infer meaning from context, and like you said, like from for background and stuff like that. Uh, so from the beginning, we weren't even going to do that. Um, but I think it didn't like sort of take long before we realized that like, no, we are going to need something to convey a bit more like emotion than just sort of noises and grunts and, and body language. Um, and it was always an exercise in like, we wanted to keep it as simple as possible as like, you know, like quite, quite minimalistic like the storytelling like we wanted it to feel like a big epic adventure but we didn't want like long convoluted like dialogue scenes and like i mean i've always had an issue with like my biggest issue with story in video games in general and i think for other people as well is that it's that old adage of like show don't tell it's like somehow it seems like video games do the complete opposite a lot of the time uh, and I don't know, maybe we went too far the other side. I have no idea, but like that was that was the experiment, and I'm really happy with the with the result. That it's like it's um, it's 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 a complex story told in a simple way, um, I think, and that that is what we wanted to achieve. And I wanted to just reconnect uh, before because uh, music is actually quite a big part of the. Um, of the storytelling as well and that was that like so these um i guess the concept of like sort of good and bad or good and evil is uh uh, uh conceptualized with uh, this 
weird sort of twisted corrupted melody that the that the robots uh, use to communicate with each other on this world um and then uh, without spoiling too much there's like the sort of uh, opposite of that which is like this really beautiful like sort of melodic um ha uh, harmony that that Takeshi Furukawa are uh, wrote and that sort of comes back in in like the soundtrack and and that's also like you know that's also a way of like that's a dialogue in a way you know it's it's communication uh but not on a level where it's like a big dramatic like shakespearean you know dialogue scene you know adam and class can you tell me you know you've got these two characters that are you know exploring this world together can you tell me a bit about how that relationship develops over the course of the game yeah i mean um so what we've been trying to do is really you know throughout as you play the game that you really feel the bond between you and this cute little creature mui um strengthen throughout throughout the adventure um at the beginning mui is a really strong um ally and she can do things that you can't she can jump higher she can um bite off ropes and and she can jump into small spaces that you can't so she's a really valuable um ally to you um and then on the other hand you come to to parts of the game where you have to help mui as well and i think through that kind of gameplay and the gameplay progression and what lana and mui can do together and separate both it's um, fun gameplay-wise, exploring what they can do and how they interact with the, with the world in different ways, um, but also that it's interwoven interwoven into how they their bond is getting stronger and stronger and how players feel about Lana and, and, and Mui. And that's really something that we wanted to achieve in, in the game. Klaus, can you expand on that relationship a little bit? What were some of the touchstones that you were trying to to touch on as you were getting uh, that story told. Sure. Well, well, I could, if I may, I could start with a challenge that became apparent um, was, so our uh, excellent um, uh, actress, who, who voice actress who portrays Lana, Bia uh, Bianca, she, uh, uh, we did a recording with her where we like sort of like, recorded a whole bunch of different VO states because it's like, and it, it again, it goes back to this sort of the foundational mood of like just Ghibli coziness and all that, you know, like something that we really wanted to capture. But then the reality of the story is that all these like quite bad things happen, like, you know, tension increases, like sometimes there's stealth. So we basically like just recorded a whole bunch of versions uh, in different tones of all the, of all the, communication gameplay communication that lana and movie have and one of the big challenges like you um directorially uh was definitely to to sort of implement those different vo states throughout the game so it never felt like jarring you know like if lana's just sort of uh just something really devastating has happened. Like, you know, she thinks she's seen her sister or something, but then she hasn't, like, she can't just turn around 0.5 seconds later and just be really happy with Mui, you know? Uh, so that was definitely, um, that was definitely a big challenge. But narratively, I think like the, the gameplay just came together so well that that relationship, um, 
growing it pretty much like it's yeah what adam said like you know the 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 mechanics did such a good job of building that relationship that you know as far as like you know um uh, more like additional narrative work there there wasn't really that much other than you know uh getting the the cutscenes really nice and tight I will come back to the music because I'm really interested to ask a little bit more about that. But I'm just curious on the language um, that you've developed for this game. It's something that is, you know, has rules and it can be understood. Um, why did you make it a, a real language rather than it just being something like Simlish, for example, which is just, you know, language sounding sounds? Well, I think that's it's a nice and that's a nice that's a nice part of it too because like if you actually pay attention like you can actually learn enough of the language to to like sort of understand quite a bit um so like you can learn through the just the communication that lana has with mui the companion creature um there's just a few words but you can actually i i I intentionally reuse those phrases throughout cutscenes and like stuff like that to, to actually give the players a chance to like sort of um understand and once we decided to go with that, I just thought that, like, to actually have a language, a spoken language, I just started nerding out. I was just like, this is too much fun. Like, I'm going to write a language. And it's like, you know, it's not Tolkien level. Like, you know, there's like this, this, uh, but there's a story element to that as well that I wanted to, like, sort of keep it, keep it simple, you know, as part of the lore and, like, you know, um, again, without spoiling too much, but like the origins of, of the actual language um so yeah yeah but i just like fell in love with the idea of like getting to do it and then we we ran with it because it was just too much fun yes just adding to that i just want to say that i feel with all this like the language that you created clause and the story that has been written and 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 like how we tell the story which what i think is um I think that I'm very happy about with the game that it is a fun game. Like the puzzles are fun, and and different people are going to get different takeaways from Planet of Lana. So some people are just going to you know run through the game as fast as they can, like see it as a challenge to solve the puzzles, and then they're done. And they'll they then they don't maybe take away as much from the backstory and and such as like a very like a person that's very very interested in lore and like backstory and everything like that they can like stay in different environments and you know explore them and that's something that we've uh, that was a very uh, uh, deliberate thing and that i'm very happy about that we have such a rich rich backstory and, and secrets for people to kind of theorize themselves about because we're not like writing it out all in like uh, in paper exactly how everything is tied together but you can make your own uh, kind of theories surrounding the backstory and the story and i think that's a lot of fun because it adds that the layer and depth to the game that i'm very happy about I know there's a lot of uh, nerdy people on the Conlang subreddit who are going to be very excited to decipher all of this as it comes together. Um, we were talking a little bit about the music, um, and yeah, you were lucky enough to work with uh, Takeshi Furukawa, who has done, uh, people would know, from The Last Guardian, also the Clone Wars TV uh, series. How did that come about, and, and what was the process like working with a, a composer to that? Did you just say, go nuts, or was it a very collaborative back and forth sort of uh, process? So it it really started like back when we just worked on the game um, for a couple of months, and we were pitching the game in our first like game conference here in Sweden, a neighboring town here, 
Uh, but there was a lot like international publishers there and, and journalists. And there was one journalist from the Daily Mirror who really liked the game. We didn't have a demo or anything like that. We just had some concept art and, you know, a, a, a verbal pitch. Uh, but he really was uh, liked uh, how it looked. And he wrote an article in the Daily Mirror. And Takeshi has told me afterwards, he was just scrolling, you know, internet. And then he saw this article and like this image, this concept art that we have, um, really uh, made him intrigued. And he sent an email to to me um, and, you know, said, uh, this looks this looks stunning. And do you happen to have a composer for, for the game? And, you know, the, the weird thing was that I was pitching the game during that conference as you know, inside uh, plus The Last Guardian in a Studio Ghibli universe. So having him contact us was, you know, I thought it was a hoax uh, for sure. And it took like several emails back and forth before I believed that it was actually him (laughs) who contacted us. Um, But yeah, but that was it. And then we talked for uh, one or two years or something like that. And then before he came on board. Um, And then it's been Klaus that's been working closely with him yeah for sure oh man it's been it's well first of all he's he's awesome he's just so nice to to work with and like um i think musically originally we were really keen both me and adam on like because we had this sort of minimalist mindset in general we were very like we had our hearts set on like a very quite a minimalist um sort of ghibli-esque like almost expressionist like kind of um soundtrack as well uh and but like you know the more the story grew the more the the whole thing grew like you know takeshi was pretty adamant that like now we should go like full-on like spielberg you know (laughs) um and um you know i'm super glad that he did because yeah i i just and i honestly like you know, I, it's pretty hard to claim objectivity, but I think it's one of the best video game soundtracks that's <laughs> ever been made. Actually, like personally, it's a big call, and I like I like them, but it's like, yeah, I I, I love I love the score so much. Did you send off levels? Did you send off scripts to Takeshi, and then it went from there, or did you he just kind of play around and you threw a few things and see if it felt right or not? Well, the, right at the beginning of the thing, like I wrote up this sort of massive brief because there was this like I touched on it before, there was this very musical element in the story and by extension, the gameplay as well. So, and I had a very clear idea that I wanted that the sort of diegetic and the non-diegetic to be able to mix there. Like um, with this melody that I was talking about before, that is sort of like it, it, it reappears throughout the game, both within the game as in within the world and then it returns i think the conversation very much started there where we said like you know this is the sort of properties that we're looking for it needs to be quite simple and needs to sort of feel a bit like this um and that was one of the first very first things that he sent over it was like what about something like this you know and i was like yes yes something like that <laughs> and then it just sort of went from there you know um and yeah, it's I, I'm I'm really excited for obviously for people to to hear the uh, hear and see and play the final result themselves. But yeah, and I was so lucky as well to um, to f- uh, fly down to Budapest, and and I was there 
filming some behind the scenes when Takeshi recorded the soundtrack with the orchestra there in Budapest. It was a or- orchestra, a full orchestra of 90 people um, playing the music of our game. It was it was uh, an unreal experience um, that I was that I'm so happy that I've been a part of as well. And did it feel real for you when you were seeing all those musicians in front of you? playing it and actually feeling the sound in the room it felt like they were doing it for something else <laughs> not our game but you know it was it was so cool just yeah, seeing you know the note sheets and seeing like planet of lana and then like the titles under then it felt real and you know just wandering the corridors like uh, when you've been out or something and you come back in and you can just he- hear it like this epic score in the background in the that concert hall it was really special takeshi did very much like beyond that sort of initial brief with that melody it was very much like takeshi going like you know sending stuff and like just how about this how about this and it was just like yeah maybe tweak it a little bit here and there but then it's like yeah um you're less than 48 hours away from the launch of this game as we are talking can you tell me how does it feel to be at this point yeah, I mean it's very giddy, giddy, <laughs> or like I'm very nervous, and yeah, it's gonna be it's like this mix of a lot of emotions. It's gonna be a lot of fun, I think. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird and fun all in the same way. It's very surreal, like when you've been thinking about the the launch of the of this game for so long, and it were so many years. When I was talking about the game promising that we got we're going to make the game both to like people jumping onto the project and 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 others um and now it's uh, it's finally time it's i'm i'm so proud of the whole team that that we've made it and that we uh, yeah i'm so proud of the game so it's going to be a lot of fun getting it out into the hands of of the players and seeing people's reactions and um yeah that was a very fun experience also when we showed the game at gamescom and people got to play it uh, for the first time you know, just watching streams, watching people play and getting their honest reactions, kind of. That's the that's the best part, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, excited, nervous, all of the above. But mostly excited, definitely. Um, the game is Planet of Lana. Um, Adam Class, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the launch just a few hours away now. Um, it will be out on Xbox uh, and PC. By the time you listen to this, uh, you'll be able to find it on stores there thank you so much for taking the time to to have a chat and invite us into this epic sci-fi world of yours thank you so much for having us thanks for having us it's been a pleasure join the sifter community on discord at sifter.com.au forward slash discord sifter is produced by fiona bartholomeus daniel ang Adam Christou, Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and my name is Gianni DiGiovanni, and I'm the executive producer. Thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's podcasts, and you can find links to everything we've talked about, including uh, a video version uh, on our website, which is sifter.com.au, where you can see some of the beautiful gameplay of this game uh, and uh, you know experience it before you get a chance to play it. And uh, while you're online, why not join the Sifter community where you can share your creativity uh, with others in our very chill server. Uh, that's on Discord. So go to sifter.com.au forward slash Discord to get there. That's sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. That's all for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, have fun. Hi, 
Chris Button here from Droprate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Unicorn Overlord might have a strange name, but don't dismiss its tactical prowess. It uses a, a tactics mode, um, and, which is similar to the Gambit system that was in Final Fantasy XII for your um, uh, your squad mates. And you can say, okay, well, you know, Hodrick, who's my legionnaire with the big shield, I want him to prioritize protecting the back row. They're going to take the most damage. If they take a physical hit, they're going to go down, but I need them to be protected. So you can get quite granular with this. And I reckon you could build some pretty wild builds that are <laughs> totally game-breaking, um, but it's kind of the fun of the tactical squad-based gameplay in Unicorn Overlord. Tune in to Drop Rate to find out why Unicorn Overlord might just be one of 2024's sleeper hits. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.